0: Knoxville Tower, Runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2004, Runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic three mile final. Read back, correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight.
1: Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode will give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure.
2: Hello from The Runway Up listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Our topic today is going to be for the AV geeks, for the people that are interested in the intricacies and the behind the scenes of airports and of aviation. And this one's pretty important.
1: Well, and it's a topic that a lot of people know about because if you've ever flown, you see it, or if you drive by an airport, you see them but not everybody really knows what goes into or how many lights there are at an airport to safely operate during inclement weather, during dark of night, when airports are open 24-7, not just for commercial service, but to also make sure that Amazon and package gets to you in two days or like it's supposed to.
2: Yes. so today we're talking about lighting. Like Becky said, you might think about it whenever you see those pretty lights, but It is a critical part of the airport and something that keeps the airport open and operational 24-7. And today you are going to learn about all that it takes to keep McGee-Tyson Airport lit. So today we're going to be joined by two
1: airport experts who are very knowledgeable about airport lighting, uh, both inside the terminal, in our parking garage, as well as on our runways and through beacons that aircraft use to operate safely on our runway systems and taxiway systems. And so we're going to be joined by two of MKA's best employees, Ken and Sam. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for agreeing to be on today's podcast and for sharing your expertise in the area of lighting. And so if you don't mind, if you would introduce yourself and what your role is here at the
0: airport. Well, My name is Ken Eckert, and I'm the facility manager of the airport. And that involves wearing a lot of different hats. And one of those hats is also the energy management part of being the facility manager. We've got a great team uh, from our facility maintenance people as well as some specialized contractors. And the whole goal for us is to uh, get passengers um, in the front door and through the checkpoint and onto the airplane with the least amount of hassle and the least amount of delays. As the energy management part of that is we want the facility to be comfortable for everybody and not present any hassle for them. But we also don't want to spend any more than we have to on our utility bills. So we're trying to kind of balance both things out.
3: I'm Sam Nicely. I'm a senior electrician. My main responsibility is the airfield electrical systems. Keep the lights on on the runway taxiways, help with, so the aircraft can get to and from the runways up to their location and back.
2: So let's start with the airport terminal. So, Ken, what all does it take for us just to simply keep the lights on here at McGee-Tyson
0: Airport? It's really, a team effort with our facilities maintenance department. We have some specialized contractors and we utilize some Alcoa utilities as well. There's a couple of little things in the terminal. One goal is to make it look right, and that's to be sure that the lighting color is all consistent. We have a good, safe environment for our workers and our travelers both. And our heat and air goes along with that part of that element as well. Uh, sometimes when you go into a a restaurant or your doctor's office or somewhere and you look at the fluorescent lighting, you'll notice that it's not all the same color. You know, you have some bright spots and some yellowy looking spots. And, um, we would like to think that we're doing a great job. When you look across our ceiling and all the lights are the same color, we don't have a lot of shadows and burned out lights and uh, things like that in the terminal. So it really is a, a team effort. And, um, they work hard at it to make it look as good as it looks.
2: Well, and that takes a lot of time and manpower. Like you said, is in-terminal lighting system, is it automated?
0: Yes, we have a building automation system, which is basically a big computer. And we have a lot of different techniques that we use in our lighting. We have one program that's daylight harvesting, which is looks at the outside light coming in our windows And if we have a lot of daylight coming in the windows and we turn a certain amount of lights off during the day, we use occupancy sensors in a lot of different areas so the lights are off when nobody's around. And then when you walk into a room or walk into a stairwell, the lights will come on as needed. We have a dawn to dusk photo sensors. So basically when it starts to get dark outside, certain lights will come on. And then in the morning when the sun comes up, they'll turn back off again. As far as energy, too, we have a lot of timers and a lot of setback schedules on our heat and air, and also a lot of electrical equipment. If you come into the terminal late at night, like uh, 10 o'clock or later, or if you get here before 4 o'clock in the morning, you'll notice that the stream, the water display, is not running, and that's an effort to save energy. And so we turn those big pumps and motors off late at night and then turn them back on when people come back in the terminal. So that's a few things that our building automation system does to to help us.
1: Well, and you know, for us that at home are looking to change out light bulbs and we hear LED and regular and the energy conservation, I know that you spent a lot of time, Ken, really looking at LED lighting. So what is it and why is it a resource that helps to save energy costs at the airport?
0: The LED stands for light-emitting diodes, and it's a very energy-conservative way to make lights. There's a lot of different kinds of LED bulbs out there. Um, There's a lot of different makes and models of them, and um, it is very energy-efficient. Part of the issue for us is it also has to meet the intent of the lighting. We have certain lighting things that are kind of regulated, like our high-mass lighting that shines out over our aircraft ramp is very designed, very specifically to do a job. The other consideration for us is the number of fixtures that are physically in the building and what their application is. Because of the high number of fixtures, there's also a cost kind of thing. If you have a hundred fixtures in the ceiling, you don't really want to just put ten LED light bulbs in there because it won't look right. Those will look very different than the other lighting that's in there, Sam has the same kind of deal out on the airfield you know we have led fixtures and other kind of fixtures and he'll talk about that one example is our parking garage a number of years ago we changed from a metal halite type fixture in our parking garage and everybody touted that we should go to led but when we looked at led the market wasn't mature so it was very expensive the fixtures weren't made real well And that led us to the decision to go back to a T8 fluorescent fixture. And the big intent was to get rid of the shadows in the parking garage. So when you walk between cars or down the aisle, you don't have those big shadows. And uh, that's been about 10 years ago now. So now the price of LED has came way down. And um, there's a chance that uh, when we get the funding and we get back to the parking garage, We'll probably change those over to LED because now it's a cost model is there to where it's good to do that. One of the things that we look at besides the energy is the return on investment. And so when we look at a lot of these lighting projects, we always want to go back and look and see, does this make project make sense? If we spend X amount of dollars to do this project, what is the airport's return on that investment? Sometimes it looks really attractive. But when you start working the numbers and uh, looking at the application of the light and how many hours that light's actually going to burn, it doesn't really make sense to spend a lot of money putting LED light, for example, in a closet or a mechanical room that maybe somebody goes in there once a week for an hour or we never go in it, you know, like an elevator closet. We don't really go in there, but once in a little bit and um, we put an LED fixture in that closet. It costs a lot of money, and the light's turned off 90% of the time anyway. You have to kind of look at the whole picture instead of just the short picture and then the, the glamour of having an LED light. The cost is coming down on a lot of the LED fixtures and a lot of the LED lights, and the quality is much better. As we move forward to the future, uh, LED's getting more and more attractive for us, and we'll eventually get there to where we have all the lighting in the terminal converted to LED. But we have to look at the whole picture and be sure that we're using our money wisely.
2: Well, and for our listeners, you know, you have to remember that the airport terminal, you know, people are here 24 hours a day or we have to keep those lights on 24 hours. And so, yeah, it does make sense to have those LED lights in the terminal when they're going to be on for so long in order to light the terminal. So that makes a ton of sense.
0: Right. And our building automation helps us with that. That we use occupancy sensors and we have setback schedules, or certain times of the day we turn the lights off. If you come into the baggage claim area late in the evening, probably after about 10 o'clock, you'll notice that there's only certain areas of that baggage claim, the lower level, are lit up. And at that point in time, we're using occupancy sensors. So if your airplane comes in and you go to get your baggage and you walk over towards the baggage claim number one, as you walk over there, that area of the lower level, the lights will come on. So the lights in some areas don't stay on 24-7, get to a certain time, and then we switch them over to an occupancy sensor to where they're on if we need them, and they're, they're off at 3 o'clock in the morning. They're not needed, so we leave them off.
2: So Ken talked a little bit about LED. Sam, do we have any LED lights on the airfield right now?
0: I have approximately
3: 3,500 LED lights. And right now... Only about 500 of those are not LED. We're going to be one of the few airports that will be a total LED airport soon in the near future. So as soon as we get the new runway project open, that'll be 100% LED. Our taxiways are already 100% LED as well as our signage. The only thing that we do not have is the existing runway, which is still the tungsten halogen lights. But soon we will hopefully be redoing that runway as well. And when that is done, we will be 100% LED on the runway.
2: Something to look forward to. Well, you've talked a bunch about, you know, the cost aspect of LED. So let's talk a little bit more about that. How much in a ballpark sense, how much does it cost to light the airport, to light the terminal and the parking garage each month?
0: Our average bill for the airport runs in the neighborhood of about $50,000 per month. We're one of uh, Alcoa Utilities' largest energy consumers. In a way, we're kind of proud that we're using that much electricity and we're Alcoa's number one user. But on the other side, it's probably nothing to brag about because it costs us a lot of money. I have a chart that I do every month. And uh, we started back in 2005, 2006, and we established a baseline to compare against. And what we're looking at is the amount of electricity that we consume each month. We do a degree day calculation that we get off the internet that compares the weather, basically. So we can adjust that chart based on the degree days or the weather. And it adjusts it. And then we also adjust the cost. So we have that use the same cost model on our baseline as we do on our current consumption chart. And when we compare 2005-2006 budget, and we compare it against our 2020-21 budget, our overall utility cost has dropped about 30% each month. So we're trying to use this baseline and compare apples to apples. When we do that, we've dropped about 30%, which for us is significant. You know, the, the terminal is open a lot longer. We have a lot more people coming through. We have a lot more lights on. We have a lot more going on now than we did in 2005, 2006. So we've had a ton of growth, but we've still managed through our energy management practices and and all the team members that work hard to make it happen. uh, We've managed to lower our utility bills each month. So we're really proud of that. I think it's a a great point for us that we're we're working hard to try to control our costs but also provide the services for all the people that come through the building.
1: So Ken, one last question before we chat with Sam about the airfield lighting projects. We get lots of questions about solar technologies, emerging technologies that can be utilized to help with the energy consumption at our facility. So tell me about maybe solar and how that might impact the airport.
0: We have looked at solar and wind numerous times in the last 10 years or so. And up on our roof of the terminal, we actually have some instruments up there that give us all the solar and all the wind data. So we know exactly what's going on in our particular part of the country and at our building. And as we get different proposals and different people come and try to talk to the airport about doing solar and wind, we drop this data. And we can actually compare it and know exactly what the results will be. And then we start looking at the return on investment. Does the project really make sense for us? And is is it something we really want to do? I mean, it's, it's a glamorous kind of thing to have a big solar farm or a big windmill and whatnot. But in the big picture for the airport and the goals that we're trying to accomplish of getting people to and from, Does it really impact us? So that goes back to the return on investment. Does the project really make sense? And at the moment, the last couple times we've looked at it, the price of solar and the amount of wind that we have available, right at the moment, is just not there for us. We um, continue to look at it. And when the cost model changes and what TVA does with their power, it might look great in the future. But right at the moment, we're looking at it. There's other projects we can do that'll impact us a lot more. So that's kind of where we're at with the solar and wind. We're proud of where we're at. And uh, I think the team is doing a great job. And as different uh, technologies come around and we look at uh, the pricing of LED lights and the pricing of different kinds of equipment, we'll continue to look at each one of those and look at the ROI and see if that's where we need to go.
1: All right, Sam, we're so glad you're joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do on the airfield? Like how many lights are out there, what your role is in maintaining it, and also about, you know, how that impacts passengers when they're trying to take a flight. All
3: righty. Um, Like I said, I take care of the airfield electrical systems and the lighting. Approximately we have, you know, about 2,200 lights on the airfield as of right now. Once the runway reconstruction is complete and uh, Taxway Bravo is complete, we'll run roughly around 3,500 lights. And that'll be lights like edge lights and centerline lights, but also uh, lighted signs as well. The lights have different functions. They mean different meanings to a pilot. So if a pilot was coming in on five right and using a visual approach, the first light he would actually be looking for would be the beacon, which is a white and a green light that rotates. So the pilot will see a flash. So then he'll know he's at an airport that had lighted runways. The second thing he'll be looking for, as he lines up on final approach, to the left of the runway, we have a series of four boxes called Precision Approach Path Indicators. And those are visual minimum of three miles away, but can be seen up to 20 miles away. And the purpose of those is... As the pilot lines up on final, he's coming in at a certain angle and he wants to maintain a smooth angle. And so these lights will give him a visual as to what his angle of approach is to land and put him safely within a touchdown zone area on the runway. So these are projection bulbs. Like I said, they can be seen up to 20 miles away. So what he's looking for of the four boxes, he wants to see two red and two white, and that'll keep him on the correct approach. If he sees three white, and one red or four white, he's too high. He'll not make his touchdown landing area. If he sees three red and one white, he's a little too low. So he's, he's going to be on the short end. And four red, we hope they never see because that means he's going to be not landing on pavement. He'll be in the grass before he gets to the runway. So this is just a safety thing for him to watch. So at the end of the runway, there will be a runway end identifier lights. These are a light on each side. And they flash simultaneously, and that just lets the pilot know where the end of the runway is, and he can kind of guide himself, knowing that he's centered up on it by the two lights. Then he's trying to land in what I called previously the touchdown zone. So those lights, or uh, touchdown zone lights, are three lights and one bread on each side of the center line, and there's sixty rows of these lights, and there's about a hundred feet between these rows of lights. So that gives him about three thousand feet of a lighted box that he's trying to land in and to keep him in the center of the runway, we have centerline lights that run the full length of the runway. And so there's 182 of these and they are roughly 50 feet apart for the full length. And so as he's landing, he'll land in the touchdown zone. He'll have The center line, he'll have lights on the edge. So he knows where the edge of the pavement is for each runway. So, all these lights are white. So, if he's got white lights, he knows he's on a runway, but they change as they come to the end of the runway. So when he gets closer to the, end of the runway, there is a three, two, one rule. The centerline lights at 3,000 feet will start alternating red and white. And, like I say, 3,000 feet, this lets the pilot know he has 3,000 feet in which to slow the aircraft down. At 2,000 feet, the edge lights will turn to an amber color. And there again, it notifies the pilot. He has about 2,000 feet in which to land. And at 1,000 feet, the center lines turn to a solid red. So at the end of the runway, you'll have threshold lights. And there's four on each side of the center line. And they're red. And so these red lights mean that's the end of the usable pavement. So once the pilot gets the plane slowed down and he turns and he's to go to the terminal, he'll be then directed by the air traffic control tower. And then the signs come to play. The signage will let the pilot know the information such as direction, his location, and uh, where he has to cross another runway, he'll have a red sign with white letters on it. So if he sees the red sign with white letters on it, he'll know he'll have to contact the air traffic control tower to get permission to cross an active runway. So then the pilot is on taxiway, and there's all those beautiful blue lights everybody associates with an airport. So those are edge lights for a taxiway. and Like I say, they're blue. And so, the direction that the uh, air traffic control gives the pilot, he'll be looking for location signs, which are uh, yellow letters on a black background, and then direction signs. And those are yellow signs with black letters on it. And that'll take him to the terminal. Must admit, all these are also indicated by paint as well, but at night, paint's kind of hard to see. So, these lights are all run constant current. They all maintain the same intensity, which is really important. Because the first light in a run and the last light in a run being the same intensity helps the pilot with depth perception. And to do this, we have to use constant current regulators. It's not an electrical system like you would see in a house or a manufacturing plant. The voltage can fluctuate, but it's pushing a constant current. So like I say, the advantage is we can keep all the lights at the same intensity to help the pilot out.
1: That's all interesting. Very interesting. So you explained to us why they had different color lights, all the types of lights that are out there that you have to look at. One of the things that I know I get lots of questions about and I'm curious about, I think it's just it signifies an airport is the beacon, the thing that flashes when we have uh, foggy conditions or the thing that's closest to the road that runs right in front of the terminal building. Can you tell us kind of what the purpose of that beacon is and then why it has its special lighting as well?
3: Yeah, it's a metal halide. It's 400 watt. It has two lamps in it. And then uh, it has a green lens on one side and a clear lens on the other. So the green and white indicate that it's an airport, a land-based airport with lighted runways. And so one white, one green indicates that if it was two whites and a green, there'd be a military. A yellow and a white would be a heliport. So with us being a commercial and, and general aviation airport and we're land-based, so that's why we have a white and a green on our beacon.
2: So there's a lot more than just those pretty blue lights is what you said.
3: <laughs> yes, there is.
2: It is just so fascinating to me, all the different colors and the meanings. And it just shows the importance of what just one light can mean to a pilot. It can you know, be the difference of his landing, which is so critical. So can you talk about your job, and the FAA requirements. I mean, you said that you have over 2,000 lights. You're about to have over 3,000 lights. Do all those have to be on at one time? What does the FAA hold you to, those standard?
3: Yeah, the lights pretty much have to be on because they're not even good if for to a pilot there's no light. They are controllable. The air traffic controller can control the intensity of the lights during meteorological events. So if a clear night, they don't have to be near as bright as if it's a bad weather or cloudy or rainy. And um, so five right and two, three left are more of a visual runway. Of course, the aircraft have their electronics on it to keep their navigation. But when they go to land, they have to have these lights set. So we have to have a minimum of 1,800 feet before a pilot can land. There's 1,800 feet of visibility. So it is important. FAA requires like a runway edge light, which was the ones I was telling you are on, on the edge. There's 96 of those. We can only have a certain percentage of lights out before that runway would be unusable. Don't like to get it nowhere near that. So I usually come in at night a couple of times a month and go through and make sure that we do not have, we don't ever come close to the percentage of lights out. We can't have more than 12 on the runway edge. And you can't have more than two in a row out either. So if I have two out, possibility a third, I would have to come in and take care of that issue before it does become an issue. The center line, like I was telling you, 182 of those, we can only have eight out at a time before they would have to issue a notum, which is a notice to airmen that our center line is not standard. There again, if we have two in a row out or the possibility of, like we have one light out, a light burning, then another light out, we'd have a possibility of three being out, which would take it out of service. So... And then as far as our touchdown zone, we can have as many as 18 out, which we never want to have near that. So there's three lights in a barrette. There's 30 rows per each side. So, But we can't have more than three out in a barrette or three out in a row. We have operations who comes in and does a night inspection every night. And as part of that, I get the lighting report. And a couple of times a month, I come in at night. We only have about a four-hour window that we don't have regular air traffic on. Some of the maintenance guys will come in with me and help me keep these lighting systems up to FAA standards.
2: Yeah, and something tells me that it never gets close to having to be shut down. I'm sure that you are on top of that, as I know you have mentioned. Well, and as we are wrapping up our podcast for
1: today, one last question pretty quickly for both of you. Working in the fields that you do, what's your favorite thing about your job?
0: I think the favorite part of my job as a facility manager and doing the energy management. One is the teamwork, and the other part of the favorite part of the job is the variety. It's something different every day or a different kind of problem every day. And uh, we're surrounded by great people in our facility maintenance staff and, and some of our specialized contractors. So that's the part that I like the most about the job. And I'm like Ken. The
3: people we work with, we have great staff here. I work with facility managers as far as if I have a project going on, I have to rely on them for money. And they do good to get that for me. The operations, I work with them as far as looking at FAA standards, what is in-compliant, what's not compliant, what needs to be changed. The facility maintenance guys, the airfield maintenance guys that help me on the airfield. You know, I mean, just a great group of people here. And I tell you, we are lucky at this airport from the runway Looking back, we have some of the best scenery of any airport around.
2: Yes, we do. And if our listeners have ever been around at McGee Tyson Airport, I'm sure that they would agree.
1: Well, thank you both for joining us today. It's been a great conversation about the lighting, both in the terminal and on the airfield. We appreciate you sharing just a few moments to highlight all the experience that you both have, as well as the staffs that you work with and how it's a team environment to keep the planes moving here at Mickey Tyson Airport. Thank you all
2: so much for being on our podcast.
3: Enjoyed it. Thank you.
2: Wow, that was a lot about airport lighting. And hopefully our Av geeks really took away some key points of how important airport lighting is to the aviation system.
1: And we wanna thank Ken and Sam for sharing their knowledge and going into such great detail about all the things that they do to keep the lights on at Biggie Tyson Airport. So we say thank you for joining us and being a
2: part of that. They definitely went into a lot of detail. And if you're interested in learning more, we will be posting links some maps, some images to our show notes page at fromtherunwayup.com. So be sure to check that out and we appreciate you listening and hope that you will tune in again next time.